Hey, this is Todd coming to you from the uh, Sports Library and Spirituality in Verona, Wisconsin. And I just want to say thank you to, to Anchor and Spotify for the, uh, the chance to be, the chance to have a podcast. And I would like to also say thank you to the listeners, too. Thank you. It's Todd coming to you from the Sports Library, Sports and Spiritual Library here in Verona, Wisconsin. And uh, I'm going to read out of the Experience, Strength, and Hope book. Stories from the first three editions of Alcoholics Anonymous. And also we have a... Coming to you from the power of love to you. And we have the World Service. This is by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous World Services Incorporated. There's some, I just want to say this too. There's good booklets out there you can order from Came to Believe, Spiritual Experiences of the 75 AAs, Living Sober, Practical Suggestions Here at a Meetings. And the thing is, Living Sober is outstanding. It's a yellow book. It was at the time, but I think it's different now, but I think the print inside is still the same. And AA in prison, inmates to inmate. Former grapevine articles by people who found AA in prison. I've done prison meetings before, and it was quite quite the experience I had on something life. Uh, it was it was something that is etched in my mind. It was outstanding. So they're I think they're always gonna be looking for people. A feminine victory. So this is on page sixteen. Two my lot. To my lot falls the rather doubtful distinction of being the only lady alcoholic in our particular section. Perhaps it is because of desire for a supporting cast of my own sex that I am praying for inspiration to tell my story in a manner that may give other women who have this problem the courage to see it in its true light and seek the help that has given me a new lease on life. When the idea was first presented to me that I was an alcoholic, my mind simply refused to accept it. Horrors, how disgraceful, what humiliation, how preposterous. Why I loathed the taste of liquor. Drinking was simply a means of escape when my sorrows became too great for me to endure. Even after it had been explained to me that alcoholism is a disease, I could not realize that I had it, was still ashamed, still wanted to hide behind a screen of reasons made up of unjust treatments, unhappiness, tired and dejected, and dozens of others that I thought I'd lay at the root of my search were oblivion by means of whiskey or gin. In any case, I felt sure that I was not an alcoholic. However, since I have faced the fact, and it surely is a fact, I have been able to use the help that is so freely given 
when we learn how to be really truthful with ourselves. The path by which I have come to this blessed help was longer and devious. It left through mazes and perplexities of an unhappy and of an unhappy marriage and divorce, and a dark time of separation from my growing children, and a readjustment of life at an age when most women feel pretty sure of a home and security. But I have reached the source of help. I have learned to recognize and acknowledge the underlying cause of my disease. Selfishness, self-pity, and resentment. A few short months ago, those three words applied to me would have aroused as much indignation in my heart as the word alcoholic. The ability to accept them as my own has derived from trying with unending help of God to live with certain goals in mind. Coming to the grim fact of alcoholism, I wish I could present the awful reality of its insidiousness, insidiousness in such a way that no one could ever fail to recognize the comfortable, easy steps that lead down to the edge of the, of the precipice recipe and show how those steps suddenly disappeared when the great gulf yawned before me. I couldn't possibly turn and get back to solid earth again that way. The first step is called the first drink in the morning to pull you out of a hangover. I remember so well when I got into that step. I had been drinking just like most of the young married crowd and I knew. For a couple of years, they went on and parties and speakeasies, as they were then called, and with cocktails after matinees, just going the rounds and having a good time. Then came the morning when I had the first case of uh, jitters. Jitters. Someone suggested a little of the hair of the dog that bit me. A half hour after that drink, I was sitting on top of the world thinking how simple it was to cure shaky nerves. How wonderful liquor was. In only a few moments, my head had stopped aching. My spirits were back to normal. And all was well in this very fine world. Unfortunately, there was a catch to it. I was an alcoholic. As time went on, the one drink in the morning had to be taken a little earlier. It had to be followed by a second one in an hour or so before I really felt equal to getting on with my business of living. Gradually, I found at parties the service was a little slow, the rest of the crowd being pretty happy and carefree after the second round. My, my reaction was inclined to be just the opposite. Something had to be done about that, so I'd just help myself to a fast one, sometimes openly. But as time went on and my need became more acute, I often did it on the quiet. In the meantime, the morning after treatment was developing into something quite stupendous. The eye-openers were becoming earlier, bigger, more frequently, and suddenly it was lunchtime. Perhaps there was a plan for the afternoon 
a bridge or tea or just callers? My breath had to be counted for so long it came such alibis as touch of grip, grippe, or some other ailment for which I'd just taken a hot whiskey and lemon. Or someone had been in for lunch we had just had a couple of cocktails. Then came the period of brazening, of brazening it out. Going to social gatherings, well, fortified against the jitters. Next, the call, next the phone calls in the morning. Terrible, sorry that I can't make this this afternoon. I have an awful headache. And simply forgetting that there was engagements at all. Spending two or three days drinking, sleeping it off, and walking to start all over again. Of course, I had the well known excuses. My husband was failing to come home for dinner or hadn't been home for several days. He was spending money, which I was, which was needed to pay bills. He had always been a drinker. I had never known anything about it until I almost, until I was almost 30 years old. And he gave me my first drink. Oh, I had them all down. Letter perfect. All the excuses, reasons, and justifications. What did I not know that I was being destroyed by selfishness, self-pity, and resentment? There were the swearing off periods and the going on the wagon. They would last anywhere from two weeks to three or four months. Once after a very severe illness of six weeks duration caused by drinking, I didn't touch anything of an alcoholic nature for almost a year. I thought I had a lick that time, but all of a sudden, things were worse than ever. I found fear had no effect. Next came the hospitalization, not a regular sanitarium, but a local hospital where my doctor would ship me when I'd get there, when I'd get where I had to call him in. That poor man. I wish he could read this for he could, he would know that it was no fault of his. I was cured, I wasn't cured. When I was divorced, I thought the cause had been removed. I felt that being away from what I had considered injustice and ill treatment would solve the problem of my unhappiness. In a little over a year, I was in the alcoholic ward of a public hospital. I was there that I came to me. It was there that I came to me. I had known known her very slightly 10 years before. My ex-husband brought her to me hoping that she could help. She did. From the hospital I went home with her. There her husband told me the secret of his rebirth. It's not really a secret at all, but something free and open to all of us. He asked me if I believed in God or some power greater than myself. Well, I did believe in God, but at that time I had any idea he, what he is. As a child, I had been taught to say, "Now I lay, now I lay me in our Father which art in heaven." I had been sent to Sunday school and taken to church. 
I had been baptized and confirmed. I had been taught to realize there is a God and to love him. But though I had been taught all these things, I had never learned them. When B, another another name there, um, began to talk about God, I felt pretty low in my mind. I thought God was something that I and lots of other people like me had to worry all along without. Yet I had always had the prayer habit. In fact, I used to say in my mind, now if God answers this prayer, I'll know there is a God. It was a great system, only somehow it didn't seem to work. All right, I'll stop right there. I'm going to get a drink anyways. What I'm seeing though is she's so right about the, uh, you know, being selfish and the resentments and that's, you know, and, and making those alibis, you know, that that there was an excuse for her drinking in the morning and stuff like that. Well, you know, that's that's one thing, and uh, that's one thing we come across, and that's one thing we do. I could, I remember when I was, I was with my parents, and I used to give them all kinds of reasons why I was going to the library. <laughs> At 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, you know, I just... Uh, being an alcoholic, you know, I just always felt I needed a drink. Especially on a Saturday morning, you know, hey, what else is there to do? Finally. Well, finally, be put it to me this way. You admit it, you've made a mess of them. <clears throat> of things trying to run them yourself, your way. Are you willing to give up? Are you willing to say, here it is, God, all mixed up. I don't know how to unmix it. I'll leave it to you. Well, I couldn't quite do that. I was feeling very well, and I was afraid that later when the fog wore off, I'd want to go back out. So, we let it rest a few days. Ellen B. sent me to stay with some of the, some friends of theirs out of town. I'd never seen them before. The man out of the house, the man out of that house, Pete, had given up drinking for three months before, after I had been there a few days. I saw that Pete and his wife had something that made them mighty hopeful and happy. Before I got a little, before a little uneasy going into a perfect stranger's home and staying day after day, I said this to Pete, and his reply was, "Why don't, you, why you don't, why you don't know how much it is helping me to have you here?" Was that a surprise? All before that, when I was recovering from a tailspin, I had been just a pain in the neck to to everyone. So I began to sense in a small way just what these spiritual principles were all about. Finally, I very self-consciously and briefly asked God to show me how to do what he wanted me to do. My prayer was just about as weak 
and helpless a thing as one can imagine. But it taught me how to open my mouth and pray earnestly and sincerely. However, I had not quite made the grade. I was full of fear, shame, and other bugaboos. And two weeks later, an incident occurred that put me on the toboggan again. I seemed to feel that the hurt of that incident was too great to endure without some release. So I forsook forsook spirit in favor of spirits, and that evening I was well well on the way to a long session with my old enemy, Liquor. I begged the person in whose home I was living not to let anyone know, but she, having good sense, got in touch right away with those who had helped me before, and very shortly they called. Very shortly they had rallied around. I was eased out of the mess, and in a day or two, I had a long talk with one one of the crowd. I dragged out all my sins of commission and omission. I told everything I could think of that might be the cause of creating a fear situation, a remorse situation, or a shame situation. It was pretty terrible, I thought, then to lay my birth myself there that way. But I know now that such is the first step away from the precipice. Things went very well for quite a while, and then came a dull, rainy day. I was alone. The weather and myself, pity began to cook up a nice dish of blues for me. There was liquor in the house, and I found myself suggesting to myself, just one drink will make me feel much more cheerful. Well, I got the Bible and victorious living and sitting down in full view of the bottle of whiskey, I commenced to read. I also prayed, but I didn't say. I must not take the drink because I owe it to, I owe it to so-and-so not to. I didn't say, I won't take that drink because I'm not, because I'm strong enough to resist temptation. I didn't say I must not or I will not at all. I simply prayed and read in half an hour I got up and was absolutely free of the urge to pour drink. It might be very grand to be able to say, Finney's right here, but I see now that I hadn't gone all the way. I was intended to go. I was still coddling and nursing my two pets, self-pity and resentment. Naturally, it came a cropper once more. This time I went to the uh, telephone. After I had been taking about two drinks and called, called I to tell her I had done what I had done. She asked me to promise that I would not take another drink before someone came to me. Well, I had learned enough about the truthfulness to refuse to give that promise. Had I been living after old pattern, I would have been ashamed to call for help. In fact, I should not have wanted help. 
I should have tried to hide the fact that I was drinking and continued on. And continued until I again wandered up behind the eight ball. Taken back to B's home where I stayed for three weeks. The drinking ended the morning after I got there, but the suffering continued for some time. I felt desperate and I questioned my ability to really avail myself of the help that others had received. And it fights so successfully. Gradually, however, God began to clear my channels so that a real understanding began to come. Then it was the time when full realization and acknowledgement came to me. It was a realization and acknowledgement of the fact that I was full of self-pity and resentment. Realization of the fact that I had not fully given my problem to God. I was still trying to, to do my own fixing. Got tongue-tied on that one. <laughs> that was more than a year ago. Since then, all those circumstances are no different. For there are still trials and hardships and hurts and disappointments and disillusionments. Self-pity and resentment are being eliminated. In this past year, I haven't been tempted since. I have no more idea of taking a drink to aid me through the difficult period than I would have, I had never drank. But I know absolutely that the minute I closed my channels and sorrow for myself or being hurt by or resentful towards anyone, I am in horrible danger. I know that my victory is none of my human doing. I know that I must keep myself worthy of divine help. And the glorious thing is, I am free. I am happy, and perhaps I am going to have blessed opportunity of passing it on. I say in all reverence, amen. Awesome, awesome story. And I like what, uh, what she says about the they're clearing the channels, you know, and getting rid of all that resentment and fear and, uh, you know, and greed. It's the selfish nature. Holy cow. I know for me, I could always, I could always point to selfishness, that's for sure, whatever. Whatever I was doing back, you know, I was doing in sobriety too. When I didn't have my program together, it's always scraping. You know, I was scraping on the bottom. That's all there was to it. Come to the top, I had to work the program, and I had to get do that inventory and get the steps, get to the steps in chronological order. So that's what I, that's what I needed to do, and when I did it, I'm not saying I had a, I'm not saying that I had a uh, mountain, you know, being on a mountain and the bees on a mountain like Bill Wilson did. I'm not saying that I had that. I'm saying what I'm saying is it was a gradual 
divine spirituality moment. And uh, I should say moments because they came and they came, they came to me quite a bit. And now it's like when I pray, I, I usually have a lot of help. You know, and that's just the way it is. So I think uh, I would just like to uh, say is that, you know, if, if you have a sponsor, get with your sponsor and get into the steps right away. Because that's what's going to save your ass. And, uh, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And that's why it's a we program instead of an I program. I was in the program for three months before I stopped saying I. And the first step, we're powers over alcohol. And that my life depends, you know, that my my life is unmanageable. And then I, yeah, that's just what I kept saying, you know. I was so singular with it. It was sad because that's what, where I was with the program. I was not understanding the program. You know, and, and that was my that was my downfall. I was always trying to do things by myself, and to you know, and that's and that's what I was up against. You know, and that's like that's like trying to be trying to stop a, a trying to stop a boulder from running down from rolling down the mountain. You know, it just doesn't work. You're getting in a like they like to say, getting in the ring with Muhammad Ali or whoever you want to put in there, Mike Tyson or whatever. And I, <laughs> all I was going to do is just get my butt whipped. And that's what usually that's what happened. You know, and it wasn't a lot of fun and it was a lot of hurt and remorse. You know, and I'm thinking about the times now that are coming back because I made an ass on myself at a party or something like that. and. You know, for me to assume stuff too is that that was, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the humility to realize how how wrong I was. You know, as today goes on too, for me is that, you know, if I don't love people, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a bad ending for me, and. For me to love people is for me to do the steps in chronological order and, and do the inventory and do that 10th step spot, spotting, spot check inventory is what they call it, I guess. But, uh, you know, and that, that to me is one of the things that I look at today and think about, you know, when I come across people and things and sometimes I say things wrong or I don't, you know, and I'm online a lot for meetings too. and. And I should be sharing more. I'm kind of getting into a rut where I'm reading or something like that, and I don't share. And uh, I need to start sharing. But I just, I love reading the stories. In this particular, I like reading the stories in a big book. I also like reading the stories in this book right here. So some of the words, oh my Lord, you know, it's just like, takes me some time to pronounce them because I just stumble over them totally. <laughs> but... You know, that's what it is. And, uh, you know, if, if nobody else has told you that they love you today, I do. With the power of love. Thanks.
It's Todd again coming to you from uh, coming to you from Verona Library for Sports and Spirituality. I'm just asking for a little bit of a donation, and I believe our account is in Apple Music. And if you could do that, that would be great. Thanks. It's Todd W. It's Todd from the uh, from the podcast, and I'm just asking for to give us a five star review and to hopefully you like this podcast because I hope you give us a five star review. But also, uh, if you could give us a five star on the Twitter too, we're on Twitter, we're on a WordPress, so. If you get give us good reviews on that, we would really, really appreciate it.